Welcome back to the Blue Line Hockey Club, folks. We've got another exciting episode of the Blue Line Hockey Club, boys. we got all the usual suspects sitting in the house with us tonight. we got our producer, Patrick Uncle Sullivan. What's up, Patrick? Aloha. And our nerd, our local IT guy, Robbie Pete Peters. What's up, Pete? Hey, how you doing? And the all-around sports <laughs> guru, Derek D-Train. He too. What's up, D-Train? What's up, Tweedo? And your host of the Blue Line Hockey Club tonight, Mark the Doctor Morley. Oh, doctor. And we got a friend, the Blue Line Hockey Club, back with the Blue Liners tonight. He was on uh, episode 35, maybe. But he's back with us tonight for number 98. George, what's up? George the Rock's with us. What's going on, guys? Hey, George. Thanks, man. Thanks for coming on. Good to see your face. You're welcome. Thank you. (laughs) So George, we uh, we heard through the grapevine a couple of interviews out there that you uh, are just coming out of the COVID nineteen virus situation. Is that true? Yeah, no, I am. Yeah, yeah, I got it Thursday. On Thursday, the first two days were the harder ones, hardest days. But now I'm at the end of it. Uh, I still have pneumonia, but uh, now I could uh, just rest at home. I'm like two weeks confinement at home, but uh, no, things are much better now. And I have asthma, so that's why in the beginning that it. When they attacked my lungs, it was kind of hard to breathe. But uh, with a little bit of oxygen help, it helped me uh, get through this. And now I feel uh, I feel way better. So what were some of the symptoms that you had that you were thinking that you might have it? Like um, I've heard some people lose it, like their taste and their sense of smell and stuff like that that happened to you? Yeah, no, yeah, I did lose uh, taste, taste, and sense of smell. Even to, to, to this day, uh, it's still a little bit hard. But it's really my breathing. It's really uh, the part that, 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 that got me worried a bit because when you have asthma and your breathing is getting shortened a bit, then you, you never want it to stop. So, And when I heard that it attacks your lungs sometimes and it could cause pneumonia, I went to the hospital, they did x-ray, and, and, and I had double pneumonia. So uh, it, wow. it attacked my lungs, and that's why I needed the, the oxygen because it was every day was getting harder and harder to breathe uh, because of this disease. Do you have any idea like where you might have came in contact with it? Did, have they asked you about that kind of thing? Or Yeah, I know they did. And uh, I was I was doing a delivery for the elderly people. I was picking up groceries because the elderly, they can't really go out. So go out. So I was picking up grocery lists for them and going out there to get stuff for them. And, and the thing is, when you get groceries and, and you get stuff, you're not supposed to touch your face. You're supposed to wash your hand first. But, you know, when you're in a grocery for a while, sometimes that habit sometimes are uh, Fisting your hair or whatever, and then I touch my face, and that's how I infected it just by doing groceries and stuff. So in the future, when I'm going to help them out, and maybe I'll just wear a glove, so it'll give me a habit of not touching my face until I wash my hand to make sure that uh, uh, I don't get it again. No doubt, no doubt. Yeah. Hmm. So how long did were you in the hospital? Like a week or so? Uh, I was. I got there on Thursday. I was supposed to be there for two weeks, and uh, I end up been there just for five days which is great because i rather just pursue my own treatment at home than uh, be it, it was tough because at the hospital it was a red zone i was uh, living with two uh, elder elderly people that was infected too and they were really suffering and to be honest with you i don't think they're both gonna make it out so uh, it mm-hmm. was a tough scene to, mm-hmm. to watch them suffering uh, every single day but uh, yeah this is uh, sadly it's the reality now yeah, nobody can come in and see you or anything like that. So no visitors. So you're pretty much stuck in your room and quarantine. No, no. Yeah, it's some boring yeah, shit. That's right. <laughs> On top of feeling so, like shit. So George, you say you were uh, living with an older couple. Is that like three people to a room or? Yeah, yeah, it was three people per room. 
and uh, you know it's right now they need all the best they could take so as soon as somebody could feel better just to go home somebody else right away takes my place because uh, in Montreal there's a big problem right now it, it's uh, it's getting out of control and uh, obviously I know in the states it, I know in the states it is too in the world of Trump but uh, we, we don't have to go there <laughs> well, what was the highest oxygen you were on in the hospital like three liters four liters did you have to go up high Actually, Thursday I was on three liters, but I still wasn't that way. And I almost to ICU to the ventilator. I was this close to go there, and and, and I was wow. like, oh man, I because I heard some stuff about the ventilator how it could damage you for for life by going in there. So I almost went there the first day, but I'm glad that my breathing kind of stabilized and I didn't have to go there. Yeah, yeah George, hey, listen, man, you right. know, you're talking about Montreal. Like I live, uh, so all of us are from an, a, a town in upstate New York called Canton, New York. We're we're pretty close to the border of Canada. And we actually, you know, are Cornwall. pretty close. Cornwall, yeah. I mean, we're very close to to Montreal as well. So it's kind of interesting. So up here, we don't have the numbers like of the city, you know, like of New York City, but we do have like, you know, the border towns of like Messina, New York, Augensburg, New York, like places that are, you know, up closer to the Canadian border. They actually have more of the virus than some of us, you know, down more down from the from that part of the county. So. Um, it's interesting to hear that Montreal is is having that. So that's probably some of the spillover for Montreal because there's a lot of people that cross the border here on a daily basis. So some of that's probably spilling down yes. this way, I would assume. Yeah. 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 Sure. I'm glad it's not as bad on your side then. Yeah, no, it's it's not terrible here. You know, it's not like the city, but um we are getting we, we definitely have some cases, but not nothing like you guys are probably dealing with or the city's not yeah. even close to what the city's dealing with. But yeah, good, no kidding. Good to see they, you getting healthy, man, for sure. Yeah, for sure. So did they try any drugs to, you know, there's like some kind of experimental drugs that they're trying. I guess you could call them experimental, but um, some UV light up your ass. <laughs> Actually, but you know what? Um, I was pretty disappointing in that because uh, if I went to some private clinic, they would do it. At the hospital that I was, they didn't. All they did is give me cortisone pill. They said, take a pill a day, that's it, which is mm -hmm. a joke. Um, they do experimental stuff in the States, but in Canada, not so much because it's not okay. proven enough so they didn't do anything so all i did is uh with the cortisone the day that i was doing i just uh, a friend of mine is a naturopath and he's giving me some healthy uh, natural product that i try in and i've been getting better and healthier through a natural product i guess wow yeah is the hospital vegan they got vegan food there the hospital well actually the hospital yeah they had vegan food for me but they give me mashed potatoes and microwaves so i didn't eat that <laughs> uh, i i didn't eat much of the food that they were giving me there and stuff so uh it, it was uh i couldn't wait to leave i was starving because uh, the food was you know when you're sick food is one of the most important things to eat to get better yes, but i sir. thought if i ate that stuff my situation was going to be worse so I, I didn't eat much when i was there <laughs> smart, smart man probably <laughs> Yeah, I don't know why the hospitals can't up their food a little bit. And Mass production, man. They got to cook it for a lot of people. Just boil the shit out of yeah. something. It's the only thing yeah. you have to look, look forward to in there. <laughs> so there's been no sports going on, George. Um, obviously, hockey's been paused. And there's a little bit of talk now that the guys are skating again. And uh, we might see some hockey here in the near future. I mean, what do you think about this that situation? I don't think it's going to happen. I don't think it's going to happen because uh, right now, health is so much more important. For hockey to happen, listen to this, okay? In Canada and the States, there's a problem with testing. There's not enough of it. 
just in Canada, the nurse can't even get tested before they go home to see the family. And they're afraid because they don't know if they have it. How would that make sense? The hockey that wants to play is going to make sure that they get testing for all the players so they could play and testing like rapid testing so they know right away if the guys are okay because then they have to go in quarantine. How would that make sense to the population to get all those tests for the hockey guys first before the general yeah. public, the public health? Like it doesn't work. And That's at the same time, backward. during a crisis like this, there's so, there's so many guys that don't want to get away from their family for a couple months to go play hockey in a season that's going to mean what? The Stanley Cup is one of the hardest trophies to win. If you do a season that is shortened like this and playoff that are not a true best of, best of seven, we all know that the only reason why they want to finish the season is try to get as much TV revenue as possible. So next year, the cap is at 81 million and the guys don't yeah. pay a tax of 45 or 50% escrow. That's the only reason why. Other than that, it's not smart to do so. What message are you sending to the world? And how could you watch a hockey game with no fans in the stands? If the energy guys are entertainers, if they play with nobody in the stands, the game is going to be shit. There'll be yeah. no emotion, no hitting, nothing. Nothing will change momentum because there's no noise in the stands. Guys are not used to it. It's going to be like a training camp. So if you're going to see something that is not going to be a good show, why even putting one on? So that's why they should just focus on the draft, focus on next year, and just squash this season. Yeah. I'm with you. I think, that's, I think that's an interesting take, George, because I don't think there's enough, you know, you, a lot of these sports are talking about opening back up without fans. And like, I don't think, you know, obviously the players are a massive part of the equation, but fans make sports what they are. You know I mean? You're not the, the yeah. emotion of the, the emotion of the game, you know, is brought by the players, but a lot of it is brought by the fans. And like you said, there's not going to be hitting, you know, like when, you know, like when a game gets down to the wire and, you know, people start rocking yeah. body, people start rocking bodies and stuff like that. You know, the, the whole emotion within the arena is what <laughs> kind of drives the players to, to play at the next level. So yeah, that's true. I, I completely agree with you, man. That's it's that's a variable that I don't think. You know, obviously, these TV companies and everything want to make big revenue, like you're saying. So that's a variable that not enough people are taking into place. You know, obviously, we're all starving for sports, but I don't think that we're all like understanding yeah, we what, what we might see, though. You know, I mean, maybe we're, we're going to be let down. No, you know? and and you know, and on top of that, another point that is even worse than that. If you look in the NFL, the the TV revenue is so big that one each team gets enough money that pays the entire payroll of the team. In the yeah. NHL, the TV revenue are not the same. So they don't have enough in TV revenues to pay the salary of the guys. They need the people in the stands. So most teams in the NHL, if the season starts with nobody in the stands, it's going to cost them money to operate because they don't have enough revenue from TV revenues to pay the salary. So they rather not have the season to start because next year, let, let's say next year the season doesn't start, they're not going to pay the guys. So they're going to save money. Because nobody, no, many teams won't be able to afford to play with nobody in the stand. So that's not a problem that the NHL is going to have to look at. Because, man, what's going on? Big contracts, uh, like it, they're going to change. It's going to change now. It's going to change for a long time. Yeah, I mean the, the NHL. I mean, how are they? Like you say, I mean, how can they afford to pay these guys? Their contracts are now like some of the superstars are getting paid ten, twelve, thirteen million dollars a year. You know, the salaries have really increased over the last five years. So to make up those numbers with no fans, 
it's going to be tough. I mean, it's like all business right now. You know, look at restaurants are getting crippled, hotels, um, you know, certain industries that are really dying right now because of the, you know, the, the shutdown and stuff like that. Well, the sports teams are probably feeling the same hurt. Yeah, for sure. It's going to be tough. Yeah, well, you, you know, there's going to be so many, com- a lot of companies that are going to close. And those yeah. companies that are close are company that were sponsoring teams and sponsoring the league. And, you know, it, you know, if, if we think that this crisis is big, the economical one is going to be 10 times the size of it because we're really going to be struggling like economically because a lot of companies are going to be closing and there's going to be a lot of struggle and there's going to be a lot of fight. There's going to be a lot. Of, it's going to get ugly for a long time. And the economy, it's known that when the economy is not doing so good, crimes are up. And I hope it doesn't gonna go there, but that's gonna hurt all sport. The economy is gonna is gonna hurt all sport that we know as today. Hey George, do you still have your store down in Montreal? Yeah, I do. I do, but the store is doing good right now because we we have an eBay uh, eBay store and we sell online and stuff. So, but and and you know like we we know like but I've always known that being online is more important because uh, the future is going that way, right? If you have, if you do stuff online, it's better because you, you're always available for your customer. As when you have a physical store with a crazy rent, it always gonna always takes money out of your pocket for nothing. And if anything happens, I see all those businesses that are gonna have to close down because of the rent that they couldn't afford it and stuff is just so sad. But I've always focused each company that I have. I've always focused on a online com- component to make sure that if anything was to happen, I could still operate. Yeah, that's what you gotta do. Yep, Amazon, sure. baby. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, George, well, man, listen, I, I, I mean, I think all of us have just wanted to basically see your face, man, and see that you're doing yeah, well. Thank and, you. You know, we, you came on before, and we had a great conversation with you, and uh, we, everybody knows, yeah. everybody in the league knows you as this big tough guy, you know. And so, hearing how you know this tiny little virus <laughs> can can kind of. Uh, cripple anybody you know man it's good to see your face and i think it's important for nhl fans to see you uh feeling better and doing better and uh i can't tell you how much we appreciate you you know coming on here and kind of giving us an update and giving the you know nhl fans an update as to how you're doing so yeah. really appreciate that man that, well that, that's so nice of you guys to to do that and thank you for the wishes and uh, the encouragement really appreciate it yeah man get well i don't think you're quite 100 out of the woods yet right a couple more days no no yeah a couple more days uh, i i felt way better in the first day but it's gonna it, it doesn't just get off like that but uh no every day uh, it's not a battle anymore but every day i feel much better perfect god bless you, god bless you. awesome yeah all right george man keep fighting thank you Thanks for coming on, george. have a good night guys all right, buddy Thanks, you too, man. p how are you doing up there Hey, man. Good to hear from George LaRock tonight. Um, obviously, something uh, NHL fans can relate to. One of the uh, retired NHLers getting the COVID-19 virus and to hear firsthand what it was like for him. And, you know, it kind of sucks. Like he said, he's in, two, in a room with two elderly people that might not make it. Um, obviously, those are the people most affected by it. Him being a healthy person, younger, um, can fight through it. So, kind of the consensus that we've been seeing through this whole process is of uh, the vulnerability of the elderly. Um, it's kind of sad to see. Did you say vulnerability? Or boner. Vulnerability. Vulnerability. <laughs> no, a lot great. of boners. 
and to hear his story, you know, that he, um, how he contracted that was in the store, um, you know, serving the elderly is great. George is just a great guy. If you, anyone does any reading about him online or follow him on Twitter or social media, he does just does so much for the community. He's not, you see him on the ice, like Derek said, big tough guy, all the NHL fans, players, alumni. He's one mean son of a bitch on yep. the ice. And boy, I'd hate to line up with him, you know, like this. <laughs> that would not be fun. You but, see the size of his hands? His hands are huge. I was like, look out. <laughs> but besides that, outside in the community in Montreal, just a, a great guy. And he just continues to do it, do more and more every day. So um, it was awesome. Yeah, it was great to see Jordan. I think, I think Rob was get... sizing him up. That's what Rob was. <laughs> yeah, Rob. I saw Rob kind of giving the dirty stink guy at him. but uh... He's like, this is my chance. He's down. His immune system's <laughs> not so great right now. I might have a chance if I duck and move. Yeah, I thought I it was great. That, you know, it's it's interesting. You know, here it is. A guy contracts COVID trying to help people. You know what I mean? Like, and he, he kind of reiterated the thing like he probably made a mistake, you know, stuck his fingers in his eye or something, rubbed his face or something like that, which, which you're not supposed to do, you know. But um, I think it's also, though, I mean, I, I, I would say it's encouraging for people out there maybe, you know, that are young, that are scared a little bit, have, you know, maybe have asthma or something, you know. It, it's encouraging to hear a guy like him that's fit, has asthma, was able to pull through it too. So that's that's yeah. that's that's great news. Yep. Yes. Another reason to stay fit, boys. We're forty, but we're not dead yet. Heart rate up every day, boys. Heart rate up. Get your heart rate up, boys. P. Did you get, you get, your, get heart your heart rate, rate up, up though? I think so. That might count. Yeah, that, <laughs> that's like right. five cups well, of coffee. We uh, don't have too much news in the NHL this week. It's pretty quiet. Pat, want to get into a little bit of what's going on just in general for the listeners, um, you know, that might not understand the affiliate systems for the NHL, where they get their feeder players from. Just going to go over that a little bit for the, for the people listening to give them a little info on some of these teams affiliates and what's going on with some changing different cities and stuff like that. Yeah. I was just uh, interested in this topic because um, I'm here in Raleigh and um, the Charlotte checkers, which is the Carolina Hurricanes AHL affiliate is leaving Charlotte, which is two hours south of here. Easy trip to look at prospects, easy trip to bring somebody up in a pinch, are moving to Chicago, which is a bigger hike. Airport's more much busier than fortunately here. If they pulled someone up, it was a limo ride, right? Now they're going to have to fly someone down, let's say in a pinch from Chicago. O'Hare is always delayed. You know, that's going to have to be like a good 24-hour um, notice. You know, it's not going to be like at noon you were like, oh, shit, so-and-so can't play. Go down to Charlotte and get uh, the next best guy. So, anyways, that, that's the reason why I looked into this whole AHL thing and kind of was, was interesting to me you know, why teams do that, I guess. And so there's, what I found was that at some, and I played hockey forever and I and still, I didn't even look too deep into this, but what I did find, and I didn't know too much about it. Uh, what I did find was that some um, NHL teams don't own, owns, owns. <laughs> they don't own them. Don't own them. So like, so let's say uh, a NHL team doesn't own, their AHL affiliate, 
So that NHL team cannot tell, you know, the coach to play so-and-so because, you know, we're looking to bring him up next year. You know, it's kind of like, hold on, buddy. You know, it's our affiliation, our organization will run it. We might give him an extra shift, but don't tell us what to do. Whereas if you own your AHL club, you can say play him, and then the coach is going to play him every other shift. So that was weird to me. And, you know, some teams don't even have an AHL affiliation. So a good example was uh, Jordan Byington, you know, just won the Stanley Cup with St. Louis Blues. The St. Louis Blues didn't have an AHL affiliate for a while. So what they do is they loan their players out. Jordan was loaned to the Providence Bruins. If you weren't loaned to one of these uh, AHL affiliates, um, you played in the East Coast League, which is kind of weird to me. Like the AHL is like such a big, big contributor to the NHL, right? Last season, 88% of NHL players were AHL graduate. And then you, then you got these coaches, you know, Bruce Boudreau, John Hines, uh, Tom McClain, Joel Gre- Quenville, John Tortorella, Barry Trott. These are coaches that came from the AHL. So anyways, you know, long story short, and I'll stop blabbling, is that to me, like, why doesn't the NHL invest in the AHL? Like why why are these why are these teams switching? You know the the Florida Panthers are coming up here to Charlotte, which is a big move because their team was in um, Chicago. Wait, where are they? Springfield, Springfield, yeah. Massachusetts. So that's a big that's closer for them. But anyways, that whole maneuver, you know, Phoenix bought a team and uh, Vegas just bought a team, which freed up Chicago. So the checkers are going to Chicago where they've been there before Don Waddell's coached their been a GM there before and Chicago's going to pay the hurricanes more money. So anyways, all that it's just, it's so confusing. Just own your own team. It's so important to the NHL brand to produce players. 88% of the NHL players that played in the NHL coaches. I just thought it was, uh, it was very intriguing to me. Like, I don't even know how, how, as an NHL organization, how do you not own, own an AHL team? <laughs> yeah, and, like, when you talk about the checkers and, and being right down the road two hours away from, from the Hurricanes, you think you would have a lot of Hurricane fans in that area, which would help generate fan uh, fan base for the, for the AHL team. I mean, obviously, you got a lot of Hurricane fans, so no they brainer. can't. They don't want to drive up to watch a Hurricanes game, but they can go watch the Checkers, and they're still watching affiliates of the Hurricanes, which is their favorite NHL team. You know, they got a lot of teams like the Toronto Marlies, right? It's right in Toronto. San Jose is right in San Jose, um, you know, which is probably the most ideal thing um, for these teams, but obviously doesn't all work out logistically like that. But, you know, most of the Northeast teams are, are close by, the Rangers and, are in Hartford and Bruins and Providence, and uh, I yep. think uh, the Islanders are just north in Connecticut as well. The Devils are right up there. So um, Binghamton, you know, I think yeah, it all makes – yeah, Binghamton. Yeah. I mean, it's all really close to where their fan base, base is, which I think would help fill seats, you know, for those HL teams as well. So, I mean, I, I kind of like it when the, the affiliates at least, you know, a couple hours away or um, at least close enough where they can pull some of the fan base. Makes sense, right? I think it's kind of in, like one of the things that we don't talk about much is like you look at 
like a league like the NFL, right? So like the NFL is like an all or nothing league. So like the guys that come out of college, right? You either make it to the league or you don't, you know, so there's no feeder system. So there's a feeder system like in major league baseball, there's a feeder system in the NHL. So you wonder, I mean, at some point, you know, what's, what's the reason for that? I mean, at, at least I guess the way you could look at it from a positive aspect of like guys that are, whether or not, you know, you have an affiliation with a specific team, at least there's an avenue for players coming out of college to make some money, right? And not even if they don't make it to the show, at least they can make some money. I just kind of wonder, like, you think like certain, uh, you know, sport leagues will maybe change away from that and just say like, you know, it's like an all or nothing thing. Like you either make it out of college or make it out of juniors, you know, because like this is a world of like crunching money at this point. So do you think like team, do you think leagues start going away from like like that and start joining the NFL where you just get like, one chance to make it to the league, maybe some undrafted free agents make it there. I don't know. I mean, it, the way I look at it, though, like we can talk about all this AHL stuff, you know, and their affiliation, but at least I know at least these players, wherever they are, have an opportunity to make some money. And I agree with you, though, Pat, like, you know, you, you would think that each team, if you're going to have this scenario where you have an affiliation, you would think the teams would want to have that really close to home, like in yeah. control and in, in control that situation. But it's interesting how some sports, you know, some sport leagues have that and some some don't. And I, I would be interested to kind of figure out the reason as to why some do that and, and some don't do that. But I'm, yeah. I'm, fully, I, I I'm, think- fully, I'm fully on board with you, Pat, though. Like if you're going to do it, have it close to home, like have your players like really close under your thumb, like understanding yeah. their de- understanding their development. Like if you need them in a pinch, be able to like drive Bring them to the, the game. Car. Yeah. Bring yeah, them yeah, to yeah, the exactly. NHL game. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I, I, you know, to your point with football, I mean, I've actually thought about this a few times. Like, what, in football, what do they have? Four players for each position, or three, something like that. Yeah. Like, pretty what, close. Yep. I, I know the NFL has so much money, and this would just be a waste of time. And but why, why don't they have like their their third and fourth string players play on Saturdays? And you know, it doesn't have to be big ratings, but I bet you you would get a good number of people in there, you know, 10, 12, maybe 15, give these guys to play under the lights and something, something to do. Like they don't have an affiliate. They don't have the AHL or the triple, triple a baseball league. Like baseball does it. Hockey does it. Yeah. You know, football doesn't do it. Yeah. Baseball has uh, single a double a triple a. I mean, they've got a huge farm system. And I think one of the things that it's I God league. Yeah. There's league. Yeah, I know. It's, it's weird how, like how different sports, you know, operate. It's really bizarre actually, but yeah. yeah Go ahead. Mark, I think one of, yeah, one, one of the cool things about having the AHL is there's a lot of guys that we've even had on the show. When we look up their stats, you look at their first four years or in the AHL. You know, they come out of college, they're not ready yet. They come out of juniors, they don't get picked up, they're not noticed. They go to the AHL, they play really well, and they get bumped up. Um, you know, Jimmy Howard, he spent a couple of years there. He's on the show. You know, it gives them an opportunity to not fade away into the sunset. Otherwise, you know, after you don't play for, you know, two, three years, you're not going to get anybody to call you up to play in the NHL. So it gives them an opportunity to keep playing, stay in shape, keep their skills where they need to be to get that opportunity maybe when they're 25 you know because not everybody can come in and play in the nhl at 21 you know 19 some of these guys you know um leaving college early so it gives them that opportunity so they're not um you know basically just gonna fade away yeah and another uh 
interesting thing uh, that I heard about or, you know, found out about the AHL that I had no idea about. I've actually might have heard about it and it went in one ear out the other, but each AHL team can only have five players on the team that have played four years plus. So your whole squad can't be comprised of seven-year players, four-year-plus players. Four years is cut off. So only five, and all the rest have to be younger, which is kind of change, making it fresh in there, right? We're not going to keep these Ogie Orgothorps in there fucking playing for <laughs> 10 years, kicks the shit out of everyone, fucking 44 yeah, still in the NHL. So yeah, so I thought that was interesting. I don't know if any of you guys heard – that rule before i had not no that's it that is interesting i didn't know that it kind of makes sense for the nhl teams right so if you got a guy after four or five years you know they're not really having any looks at the nhl all right well we need yeah. this younger guy let's see if he can exactly. be a prospect for us um give him Turn a shot over, you know because for the nhl guys they want the best teams in that affiliate their best players so you know gives them a chance to bump them out and try somebody else so yeah like and, and on to that, Mark. Sorry to, sorry to interrupt you, but that's some of the reasons why you see these boys go from the AHL, two years in the AHL, two years in the KHL or the uh, you know Swedish Elite League, burn two years over there, come back, play another two years, go play another two years, and then hopefully get another year in the AHL. So you're extending it by your career by eight years, making you you know making almost more money in the KHL, right? So. Play, you know, maybe even go from college. Usually they go from college into the uh, AHL or East Coast, play a couple years and try to get looked at and go play over in Europe, spend a couple, two years over there, come back, go back and come back. So that was another interesting thing. Go back, come back, go back. Yeah, I need a little bit of that brown paper back money. Doesn't... <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> who was that that told us about that? Boston Bruins kid. I forget who it was, but uh, – yeah, I mean, yeah. it's, it's Lash interesting. Lashaw. Yeah. And they said that uh, another thing I read that the uh, AHL is one of the only professional sports that has, you know, keeps their fan rating like home games. You know, I think it's a little different based on football because football is once a week, right? I think it was just like baseball, um, hockey, but the AHL. Um, their fan base is loyal. Like their season ticket holders are much higher than baseball and everything else. So that was pretty interesting. Yeah, no doubt. Now let's move on. Um, a little bit of the news with the Penguins this week with their goalie situation. What's going to happen there? They're not really sure who's who they're going to keep or who's going to get taken. And they're both think coming up on, on unrestricted free agents, right? Yeah. Matt Murray and was it uh, Dismith? Christian Yard. Christian Yari, too, yeah. has three yeah. of them. Casey dismissed Christian Jari. You know, that, that whole scenario right now is just kind of um, bigger than it really is to me is, be, you know, because of Marc-Andre Fleury leaving him open and during that expansion draft and keeping Matt Murray. You know, Matt Murray was, you know, I think it was the flower got hurt. I think, I think Matt Murray's the only player – only goalie in history to win, win two Stanley Cup in rookie seasons. Now think about that. Two Stanley Cup in their in his rookie season. So I mean, he got moved up halfway through the season, which is you know technically his rookie season, but they don't count it as your rookie season until you play the full season, right? 
and he won back to back. First year was as a uh, backup to uh, Flurry, and then the second was uh, Flurry got hurt, and Murray went in and uh, won a Stanley Cup, and then that's when the whole thing was, well, let's let's let Mark Andre go. We got Murray here. I, I think Flurry he's lost gonna... his father or something like that. Yeah, Good was year. he? He lost his he lost his dad when he was out in Vegas, didn't he? Or was that? Yeah, a, this year. This is when the whole Pittsburgh thing and um, I'm mixing stories. Yeah. No, no, he did, but that was what he already got traded. So just to see this whole thing now, now they're looking to do it again. Like uh, they don't know if they should have Murray or uh, Tristan. So um, I well, think they should have kept Mark Andre, but. Well, listen, I mean, it boils <laughs> down to we got, you got Matt Murray and Tristan Jerry. So it boils down to the fact that the Penguins have like 68 million bucks tied up in their roster. So yeah, um, if, you, if you're going to try to keep both those goaltenders, you're going to have to, you know, definitely, you know, start thinking about the rest of your roster. So, I mean, it's it, if, you, if you're going to keep them both, you're going to have to make some moves elsewhere. So um, I think what it comes yeah. down to is you got to pick one of the best of, uh, you know, one of the best of the two or the, you know, the, the uh, greater of, of the evils, you know, I don't know how you say it, but I mean, it's, you got to make a decision because in the, in this age of the salary cap, you know, you got to make these kind of tough decisions. You're going to lose good players. You're going to have to make a, make a choice as far as how you build that roster. And you can't, you know, you're going to have to have a weakness somewhere, I guess. So if you feel like you have a really strong goaltender, you're probably going to take the gamble of saying, I'm going to take the best that I've got trade away the other, try to get a little capital, a little trade capital uh, where I can maybe get a young guy, or, you know, get a, some kind of draft pick out of out of that trade to bring a young guy in who's not going to hit the salary cap, can come in on like a rookie, rookie contract. Yeah. That's the whole thing now, man. It's like it's the same as with, with a lot of sports. You've got to develop through the draft because you've got to get as many players on those rookie contracts that aren't hitting the cap as much. And then you got to bring, you know, sign a few key, sign a few key veterans that are going to, you know, push that cap number up and be your key contributors. But you've got to get those young guys in that aren't going to affect the cap so much. It's just it's the juggling act that is a GM in, in, in this world that we're talking about. Yeah. And one of the things that was real quick, one of the things I don't really understand um, what NHL teams do is like when they brought Jordan Greenway in for what, like 10 games, like why would they do that? not let just wait till the next season so they're pretty much letting them burn the entry level contract where they know they can keep them at under a million you know that they for the next three years opposed to 10 games in two years so i was always kind of curious to some of these college guys that come on late in the season maybe only for a couple games for a playoff push but at the same time they're burning that fucking you know entry level contract which they could potentially be huge that they're you know on that third yeah. year yeah, Don't I mean, you it could add up, right? Experience though is is beneficial to a, a draft pick like him, though. Yeah, I'm just saying, like yeah. the business side of it, I guess. You know, yeah, I mean, you're I'm talking, you're talking, the, uh, you're talking playoff experience at nine hundred thousand dollars, right, or close yeah. to a million. But yeah, I don't know. That's a good question. And Mark, to your point, I mean, as a business standpoint, you keep every year, keep doing that, keep doing that. It builds up. Where if you if you could just you know, pull that back in, but yeah, like Rob said, I think I think they they want to get those boys in that playoff experience, especially their um, higher picks, and you know, get a little experience so that next year that they expect high numbers from him, they he 
he's a little comfortable walking in on that first day, I guess. Yeah, I think Mark, Mark, how I would answer that question is I think that these GMs and coaches are on such a short leash in this world that, you know, in the NHL and every other sport that they're so reluctant to try to, you know, they want to bring a guy in, you know, and kind of test him for a few games, you know, to see like, because they're trying to lean on, you know, what they know really well. So the unknown of a guy that's coming in on a short, you know, on the short term, they're going to try to, you know, get a short glimpse of him, see, <laughs> put the feelers on him and say, are we going to be comfortable? You know, they're willing to give, what I'm trying to say is they're willing to give up maybe that little first year of that entry level contract to try to get the feelers out. Because I think these guys are so freaking nervous trying yeah. to build the roster, you know, and trying to keep their job security that, you know, they're willing to give up the first year to get like a taste of the guy but they're so dependent on what they know that they're not willing to give a lot to the unknown. So, um, yeah, that, that's my, my take anyways. I mean, it's good because it shows they want to win, right? So they're putting yep. the best players out there to win um, instead of just playing the money game. So I think that's good. I mean, you guys have watched any of that Michael Jordan um, last dance. Love and it. I never okay. knew that that season where he, he could only play like how many minutes was it? 30 minutes or something. Yeah. After he yeah. got hurt or something like that, so it was like they probably could have won the game. Like, no, sit down. He's like, yeah. what the fuck? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think the nuts. GM came down to the bench and was like, "You got to pull him out right now, or else you're getting fired or something like that." But that yeah. last dance is the best. Like, I'm. Are you guys all caught up on it? No, nah, I've only it. I've only watched the first ones, and I'm I'm eager to watch the rest of them. Honestly, very interesting. It's uh, pretty crazy, actually. Um, I was a huge Jordan fan, so uh, and I watched basketball back then when you know Pippen in Detroit and um, all Me the too. tough guys, Ewing back in uh, New York Knicks when the Knicks were Knickerbockers are good, and uh, the Utah Jazz with John Stockton and Carl yeah. You got a little fun fact for uh, Michael Jordan that I found out this week. I was talking to this guy about about a real estate thing down here, and he was telling me that Michael Jordan just built a golf course like just pretty much down the road from me um behind a polo grounds because he was a member at jack nicholas nicholas course uh the bear down here and he yeah. has like high profile you know gambling going on when he's playing golf right so i guess oh, sure. the guy was telling me that they carry like you know 100 150 000 cash in a briefcase on the golf cart and then whoever wins around takes the briefcase so I guess like some people at, you know, these are super exclusive clubs. Like, you know, I've 150 to join. Remember Did you? the Honda Did classic bear trap. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, some of the members I think were frowning upon, like frowning upon the gambling that was going on by Jordan. And so he's like, fuck it. And he, he's, he built or is almost done building his own course, like down the road. God bless him. <laughs> Fuck Why you. would you be pissed at Michael Jordan playing at your country club? I, I if I was the owner of any course or a member of any course, I'd say, come here. Come I here. would I'd want to film it. Like yeah, I would want I would to promote do. that he's gambling on my course. I, I, I put a banner up out front that says Michael Jordan played here. For fuck's sake. Yeah, I mean, come on. Right. He would yeah, pay 150 grand. I mean, what is that though to like a billionaire? Like what's that to us? Like fucking te- a dime? Like maybe five and a, nick- a nickel <laughs> five ten yeah. bucks yeah like here, here you go we're playing for 10 bucks big fucking deal jordan's like yeah let's play for like 150 grand so yeah that was the wrap- course go ahead pat yeah 
That was, of course, the Honda Classic plays there at the PGA National, just north of Fort Lauderdale. And uh, Telfer went uh, into the bar. We were getting ready to go play the uh, – there's a bunch of courses there. This was our first day, so we got in there at night, just went right to the bar, obviously. What else would we do? And then the next day, we had a tea time for like at 10 or 12. We learned our lesson. We went and got a case of beer at the 7-Eleven. But Telfer, <laughs> Telfer went to the bar to get, uh, I think he asked for like a 12-pack or something like that, just to get us going. And uh, it was like $112. <laughs> He's like, just a 12-pack. And they're like, yeah, it's $112. Yeah, it'd be hard, 12 bucks. Six, it's like 60-some dollars a piece. Or, and Telfer goes, all right, just give me a six pack. <laughs> we'll sip on them. Uh, be <laughs> because I didn't, even want, I didn't even want to get the six pack. I should have just turned away. I go, you just spent 60 bucks for four or six Bud Lights. He's like, yeah. yeah. I'm like, you're an idiot. It's like going to a hockey game, man. It's like uh, 15, 20 bucks for a beer. Things last, you'll do for last, a cold one. Last thing, 40, last thing I'll say. Oh, go ahead, Petey. What do you want to say about I spent forty three bucks uh, last time, Pat and I went for for two uh, blue light IPAs. No, they were IPAs. <laughs> were they IPAs? Yeah, we went to the IPA beer tent, but after that, we went to the Tall Boys. Uh, Nine dollars a beer. Yeah, if you're gonna spend the big money, you might as well spend it on the IPA. Get a little extra pound for your buck there. A little tick. Last thing I would mention before we let everybody go here is that uh, the NA- the NFL, you know, and other sport news, they released their full schedule tonight. They plan on playing. They plan on playing a full schedule next year without interruption. Which as sport when fans, when does that start? September. 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 So they're and they're talking about too about how they're going to open their uh, you know training facilities right now. How they how that's going to happen. But the NFL plans to have to play a full schedule next year without any interruption. So uh, obviously they're going to take you know everything into account as far as health and safety goes but at, at this sure. stage they're they're going to play a full season next year so that's exciting that, that should be exciting for any kind of sport fan out there well it's just good news if anything right yeah, yeah. i heard something like miami was only going to let like 150 or 100 15,000 fans in and they were going to have to like come in, in sections and then when they leave it would be like how you leave in church like row by row by row um oh, okay. some, some kind of stupid shit so I don't know. I mean, it's a long time between now and September. So who knows what will happen by then? But I, I think that. that's more than my that's more than Miami normally gets to show up to a game. <laughs> <laughs> they won't have to do anything. They won't have to change anything. <laughs> All right, boys. Another good episode during this Corona virus bullshit. Um, hopefully, we'll have some more exciting news um, the next time we're on. Definitely going to have some more exciting guests for you, that's for sure. Check out our YouTube videos. All Everything's on YouTube now, so check that out. Facebook, Twitter, uh, bluelinehockeyclub.com. So check out all Instagram. that good stuff. Instagram, Instagram. We're, we're big on Insta. We're fucking Josh huge on doing Insta. TikTok dances now, so Blue Line Hockey Club on TikTok, <laughs> he does dances. Uh, I can't wait to see this week's dance, Peters. Hey, can you start a TikTok dance for the Blue Line Hockey Club? Yeah, that's okay. this week's project. All right, boys. Until next time, keep your stick on the ice. Tell you. You know. Oh, doctor. Keep your head up. Ow. Ow. Ow.